0: to this edition of the Thoracic Surgery Resident Association's podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for teaching purposes only and should not be applied directly to patient care. Hi, my name is Amy Fiedler. I'm a cardiothoracic surgery fellow here at the Massachusetts General Hospital. It's my pleasure today to discuss with Dr. Sunt, um, professor and chair of cardiac surgery at the Massachusetts General Hospital and the president of AATS, uh, the topic of endocarditis. Thank you for being with us today, Dr. Sunt. Good morning. Uh, We're going to start with a case. A 72-year-old man with diabetes presents with two to three days of low-grade fevers, weight loss, lethargy, and shortness of breath. About a week ago, he completed treatment for a right knee infection with antibiotics. Preliminary blood cultures are growing gram-positive cocci in four out of four bottles. TTE shows moderate to severe aortic insufficiency. How would you proceed with management of this patient?
1: So the, uh, the diagnosis in this day and age uh, of endocarditis is really, from a practical standpoint, based on, on blood cultures and an echo. We almost never obsess over the Duke's criteria and such for a diagnosis of endocarditis. This fellow obviously has endocarditis um, uh, d- uh, involving his aortic valve. And the indications to proceed with surgery are, are uh, hemodynamic decompensation uh, or uh, sepsis refractory to antibiotic therapy. Now, in this da- again, in this day and age, uh, it's uncommon, I think, uh, at least in my experience, to be pushed to do surgery because uh, you can't cl- clear the blood cultures. Uh, these days, our ID colleagues are able to clear the blood uh, pretty effectively. It's more often going to be a matter of hemodynamic instability.
0: Great. Uh, two two comments in a patient of this in this age bracket, notably 72, uh, before proceeding to the operating room. Uh, for this patient for endocarditis, at which point would you consider cardiac catheterization to define coronary anatomy, or would you even consider that test?
1: So I think at his age, we certainly want to image his coronaries. Uh, The challenge, of course, is that you don't want to uh, embolize anything, and we're very fortunate now to have such excellent coronary imaging with CT. The way that I would uh, likely image his coronaries would be with a high-resolution gated CT scan.
0: Great. And uh, with respect, there is a bit of controversy about imaging of the head in patients with suspected endocarditis. Uh, Could you comment on your practice with respect to imaging the head in patients who present such like this?
1: So I do not routinely image them. Uh, I image them if if they have neurologic symptoms uh, or signs, uh, but not routinely. Uh, Even if you do the imaging, uh, if they're Asymptomatic, uh, you don't know what to do with the information, so it's a bit like a uh, like a asymptomatic carotid stenosis in that regard, I suppose.
0: Great. Uh, some more information about our patient. Uh, he's admitted to the hospital, and he uh, T E E. Uh, confirms moderate to severe aortic insufficiency, and also is demonstrating a .8 centimeter vegetation on the posterior leaflet of his mitral valve. Blood cultures are positive for methicillin-sensitive staph, and he is otherwise hemodynamically stable. Uh, How would you approach this patient now that we know he has a drop lesion to the mitral valve as well as a vegetation on his aortic valve?
1: Well, he's gonna need both valves done. And I guess one of the issues is, uh, is, uh, is timing. Certainly, the trend these days in my practice, increasingly, is to operate earlier, um, uh, particularly with uh, current antibiotics. I, the concern about infection of the prosthetic material is much lessened. And individuals, even independent of the d- drop lesion, Patients don't tolerate acute aortic regurgitation very well. You can see somebody in the office who's had longstanding, really quite severe aortic regurgitation, and if it's been gradual, uh, they can be well compensated. I have marathon runners that I follow that have severe aortic regurgitation and are completely asymptomatic, but a person who has acute onset uh, aortic regurgitation, uh, they can decompensate Uh, if you try to send them out of the hospital and give them six weeks of antibiotics or something like that. So I would be inclined to go ahead and operate earlier rather than later, and probably 48 hours of antibiotics is enough. Uh, In terms of the operation that they're gonna have, this person's drop lesion is on the posterior leaflet of the mitral valve, so you can probably do a triangular resection and uh, repair the mitral valve and then you'll end up replacing the aortic valve with a tissue prosthesis.
0: Uh, can you comment on valve replacement uh, considerations? This is clearly an elderly gentleman, so I can understand your uh, desire to place a tissue valve in him, but if the patient were younger, uh, are there any considerations with respect to infective risk in putting in a mechanical valve versus a tissue valve?
1: I don't think there's any difference in in risk of, of uh, infection for any of the prostheses, including homographs, and that's something that we've written about. Uh, actually, the reason we did a study here about uh, homographs and endocarditis was that I got into a bit of a discussion with Bruce Lytle at the ATS a few years ago, where uh, we were discussing uh, indications and, and uh, manners of root replacement. And in fact, although I like doing homographs, and I use homographs pretty often in the setting of endocarditis, particularly prosthetic endocarditis, there's no good evidence that homographs are actually more resistant to uh, in subsequent infection or more resistant to reinfection at the time of the uh, initial operation. Uh, they are strongly held beliefs, but uh, if you actually look at the data, there's nothing to prove that homographs are better
0: and uh at the time of the operation, can you comment about uh, the importance of uh, having a complete debridement of all infected material and what would you, what you would do if during that debridement you come across a significant defect that needed to be repaired, specifically within the aortomitral curtain?
1: So I think that's the point of it, and, and actually uh, Chris Feindel uh, wrote a very nice editorial in one of our papers that said, uh, what matters is what you take out, not what you put in. Uh, and certainly, the toronto group has has emphasized that it that a, a complete and adequate debridement of the infected tissue is what really matters. The way you reconstruct it depends on just how you want to do it um, it's i think it 's easier with a homograph it 's easier for me to to to, uh, to to figure it out in my head if I use a homograft, and that 's why I use homographs is for the technical aspects but the the um, the the uh aorta mitral curtain can be reconstructed with uh, pericardium as well
0: mhm And so uh, I think the situation that we just went through was a pretty common scenario of a patient with um, left-sided lesions. If we change the situation and we're dealing with a 50-year-old IV drug abuser who presents and is diagnosed with 3-plus tricuspid regurgitation as well as a 1 centimeter vegetation on the tricuspid valve with increasing shortness of breath and lower extremity edema, how would you handle this patient who is an IV drug abuser with a right-sided lesion and significant symptoms.
1: Yeah. Well there used to be a notion that you could do a valvectomy, cut the tricuspid valve out and let and and uh, and that was it. It turns out those people don't do well in the long run. Um, you need your tricuspid valve. Uh, uh, perhaps not surprisingly, yeah. Um, the 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 challenge with IV drug abusers is that the recidivism rate is so high and so I'm 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 reluctant to operate on them insofar as uh, I think they're better off with their own valve than with a prosthetic valve. If you put in a prosthetic valve and it gets infected, you've got a really big problem. So I would try very hard to treat that infection and buff them up from a, from a heart failure standpoint and see if, you, if, they, will, if they will stay um, uh, uh, compensated, if you can get them compensated and, and keep them compensated with their own valve in place. I don't worry too much about the vegetation. If it embolizes, it goes to the lungs, they may, might get an abscess, they might get an empyema and and need a chest tube. Um, but that's better than the next step of, of having a prosthetic valve in place that gets infected. Uh, now, if in, in the long run they have a uh, bad failure and need to have their tricuspid valve uh, repaired or replaced, again, I try very hard to repair it, um, but if it needed to be replaced, then you're stuck replacing it.
0: Uh, very good. And one other question that I had is um, regarding post operative heart block in these patients who undergo extensive debridement of uh, endocarditis. Uh, in which patients or in all patients would you place uh, epicardial, well, you would place epicardial pacing wires, but a more permanent solution for pacing um, after a significant debridement?
1: So I would uh, have a low threshold to put epicardial leads on the A's and the V's, and, um, and you can tunnel it into a little pocket. Uh, t- tunnel those leads, uh, cap them, and put them in a pocket, right in the typical spot where you where you would put a permanent pacemaker. That's really pretty easy to do. Develop a little uh, a little uh, uh, subcutaneous pocket, and then poke them right through the through the chest wall into that uh, pocket, and, um, and then they're there if you need them.
0: Great. And in terms of post-operative care, after these patients leave the hospital, at what intervals do you follow them, um, not only in the clinic, but also with echoes and the duration of antibiotic therapy?
1: So uh, certainly six weeks of antibiotic therapy would be typical, and and getting an echo at that point in time is is reasonable.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Dr. Sunt, for talking with us today.
1: Great.